Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network, located at blogtalkradio.com slash widemencantjump and at widemencantjump.com. Here's the best pod in sports, bringing you all the NBA highlights, analysis, and even some college basketball analysis as well. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New and CamBay.com. You can find this show at iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find podcasts, as well at WideMenCan'tJump.com. Now let's go to the flagship program and this episode of Wide Men Can Jump. We are back, we are back, and we are back. A day late, probably a dollar short, but we're back. And we apologize for the delay. There were some just stuff going on in our personal lives. But we have returned, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) This is a special Thursday night, not Wednesday night edition of Wide Men Can't Jump as I am joined by my cohort, my compadre, my partner in crime, the one and only Tim Dombrova. We're going to have to change that to uh, take off the Great White North by Getty Lee pretty soon. If this podcast Ah. doesn't get it. This podcast doesn't get its act together. <laughs> but here we are. And we, again, folks, we were a little late uh, getting this episode out this week. And we do apologize again for for that. Um, real life comes first, though. We always said that. And Ed, real life re- has reared its ugly head. Dirty rotters. <laughs> But yet we are here, and we're going to talk some NBA uh, playoffs. We're going to talk about the road to the conference finals, and there's a lot to get into, Tim. And there was some breaking news last night. You know, it sucks that we couldn't go on last night, but I'm glad we don't have to wait a week to talk about the Kevin Durant injury that uh, has reared its head. Durant was diagnosed with a calf uh, sprain. I believe if you can sprain a calf, uh, sounds like the start of a joke, doesn't it? Well, if you could sprain a calf. It's a little bit odd. Um, Now, I had read earlier that they claimed he was out for good, and now I'm seeing He's out for the rest of the series. For the series, but now they're claiming they're optimistic if they win that he'll be back for... So, I mean, it can't be much of a... I mean, if they win, the series is over. I mean, I don't know about that. He'll be back for the next series, so it can't be that much of a. I mean, he's injured, but yeah. it can't be all that horrific, or they wouldn't he's be bothered. Although be, that could just be hot air. Supposed to be reevaluated next week, uh, but he could be back um, for the Western Conference Finals. It's a mild strain on his right calf, so we shall see. What? I'm gonna step. I'm gonna step out of line here, and I'm gonna put a dagger in the hearts of all of our listeners who are Houston Rockets fans. Golden State Warriors are so confident of victory, I just told them to go home for the game. Just don't bother. We got this. <laughs> well, load, load uh, management. 
on Kevin Durant. Load management. You heard it here first. Now, listen to that. But the Rockets and Golden State played last night uh, in game five, and it was a must win for both teams. Houston had won two in a row. And Golden State had really struggled. They were struggling hard, and they struggled in this game for a long time. But, Tim, people forget, Durant going down, and, and if you were on Twitter, you, you would thought the world ended. Because I was watching the game live, and I saw the injury. And, of course, we all thought it was torn Achilles right off the bat. Like, oh, that's it. His Achilles is done. Because that's the reaction you get when you tear your Achilles. Um, not the case here. But we all thought the worst. And you would have thought that the Golden State Warriors, we should have just buried them there with the way they were playing last no, night. No, 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 no. But, but folks, no, we got to sit back and we got to think. think you're good. This is the same – without Kevin Durant, mind you, without Kevin Durant, without uh, him being in that lineup, this is the same team that won 73 regular season games. They still have Clay Thompson. They still have Steph Curry. They still have Draymond Green. They still – have Andre Iguodala, they're still the Warriors without Durant. I know it seems unfair that you can lose possibly the best player, arguably the best player in the league, and still be as good as they are, but they are. Mm-hmm. So, Durant like going said, down, no big deal. They don't need him. This just gives uh, Draymond Green get a little more camera time now to lap his big mouth. And uh, they'll just bring in Andrew Bogut. He'll just fill that void without any trouble at all. Out of here. That's a joke. Cat? No, I'm just like, my cat was trying to get on my computer. <laughs> Your cat was. Well, that's a first for this podcast. <laughs> the cat was trying to walk on my computer. In, insert, insert joke here. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, yeah. Talk about, talk yeah, about no, losing the show. Andrew, to... <laughs> yeah, Andrew Bogus talk about them in and, and off the bench and just light it up in game seven. Hey. Talk about losing the show to pussy, though. I haven't uh, lost anyway. anything to pussy in so many years, Nate. But <laughs> anyway, moving on. Oh goodness, Tim! Yeah, that deserves one of these. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> well, what do you well, mean Tim, the show? You know, what do you mean my bid for the showcase was too high? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, one thing we, we do want to talk about here, that we talk about the Warriors, we talk about the Rockets, and we got more on that coming up. But the Milwaukee Bucks have punched their ticket. They're on their way to the Eastern Conference Finals. Who they face will uh, remain to be seen. But they are going. They defeated the Boston Celtics pretty handedly uh, last night in that deciding game five. Um, and we we do want to talk about after Paul Pierce had said it's over, the series is over after game one, he was right. It was over yeah. for Boston. He he just meant they had won their game and it was going to move forward Apparently. and uh, be the end of it. Yeah, they they yeah. got uh, they kind of got schooled a little bit. I, I have to say, I didn't. I thought Milwaukee might win that series, but I didn't think they'd win quite as easily as they did. Oh, they dominated. It wasn't. It wasn't even close. Sure. It for was all an absolute people, domination by Milwaukee. Right, and for all you people out there who don't think uh, Giannis is for real, he's for real. T- take it to the bank. 
invest in in, in Giannis stocks and our Greek freak t-shirts or whatever it might be because this guy barring injury ain't going anywhere for a long time. Except oh, absolutely. He, he's a beast. He is a do, beast. Can pretty much do it all. He's got a little work to do on in a few areas, but not much for a guy who hasn't been around for very long. Jump shot has improved immensely. Uh, he can get to the rim with ease. He, he gets to the rim like LeBron. He's a freak. He's a great passer, great rebounder. And like I said, his jump shot's getting better. Uh, needs to improve a little bit, but, man, I mean, he is uh, an all-around basketball player. I mean, he kind of – he gets to the rim like Tom Robinson gets to the bar on last call. <laughs> man, <laughs> we should record on Thursdays more often. You're coming with me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit pissed off after yesterday. So I'm bringing oh, I the can, heat. I can tell. I'm bringing I can the tell. heat. He's bringing no the heat, folks. But yeah. I'll tell you who else was bringing the heat. That was our guy Bart Winkler from 105.7 in Milwaukee. Hey, the uh, yeah, we. I love this guy. We were able. To, oh, he's great. He's great. We were able. To, we talked on Tuesday, so. This interview was supposed to be played last night before the game, but uh, now it's after the game. So a lot of this you're going to hear secondhand, but I still think this information is prudent and this is something that will stick. uh, Go ahead, sorry. I was just saying, we talk about the Bucs and the players we need to, to see and how they perform and how they got through this series with Boston and how they were able to to pick up a, what a lot of people were thinking couldn't be done, and it was kind of an upset for a lot of people. Now, I'm looking forward to talking to his cousin, Chachi. Oh, dear Jesus. You and these Milwaukee jokes. <laughs> <laughs> you, they're there, my friend. They're there. Uh, they are there. And, uh, let's, let's, you know, let's roll the Milwaukee, tape, tape. Milwaukee is in Wisconsin, and it smells of dairy – in Wisconsin, yeah. so we will breathe your yeah. dairy air, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thursday you night. Talk about we're, moving, we're, we're moving to Thursdays now. Look at the comedy tonight. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but, folks, we were able to sit down with Bart Winkler from 105.7 in Milwaukee, uh, fresh off of the FM radio waves, and he came to talk to Wide Can't Jump. Let's go ahead and hear that, and we'll talk about the Celtics Bucks on the other side. Here we Roll go. Well, back again to talk more NBA playoffs from 105.7 FM, the fan in Milwaukee, is Bart Winkler. Bart, thanks for jumping back on, and we're going to talk a little Milwaukee Bucks basketball. Um, thanks for joining us. Yeah, happy to still be talking about this team, man, and I, I, I think I'll be able to talk about them for a while longer. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Uh, you know, we think – uh, things are looking great for, for Milwaukee right now as they have a 3-1 series lead heading in to heading into game three or excuse me game five on Wednesday night. Uh, as this is airing, the game will probably be on, but we are recording a day before, um, and they're going back home. Game five in Milwaukee. It's a kind of a perfect storm for the Bucks if they're going to do it. 
at home, this would be the time to do it, don't you think? Yeah, and it would be nice to get this one done and get a little rest before the uh, expected Eastern Conference Finals. Now, again, we've seen series where it's 3-1, and then the you know the team that's down comes back and wins. So these series are not over until they're over. But uh, no, no, definitely the, not. The lower seat, when the lower seeded team is trailing in this situation, I think the record was two and 108. So it, it looks very, very good. We can almost speak in confidence. But the Bucks, what I've been saying about this team all year is that I can't see a team beating them four times in a seven-game series. I certainly have a hard time seeing a team beat them three out of three tries. So that's the task that the Celtics would have to go on. Uh, you, again, we're going to just, for this conversation, expect that that's not going to happen. And then what the Bucks would like to do is wrap things up get a little bit of rest, hope that other series goes, you know, deeper between Toronto and Philly, and then and then see what happens in that Eastern Conference Finals. So getting out after they lost that first game, you know, it was, it was a little concerning because the Boston Celtics, it almost seemed like any way that they could stop the Bucs, they figured it out. Like there was a blueprint on how to figure out this team, and the Celtics did it, but the Bucs have been great at making adjustments off of that. Giannis, who was, you know, held in check pretty good in game one, has exploded, and the bench has been very strong, too. So to go into Boston, take those two, give yourself the opportunity to win it at home in game five, I mean, you really couldn't ask for more, especially with how the series started. Yeah, and if you look at game two, Kyrie Irving was held in complete check as he was 4 of 18 shooting, so the Bucks did a great job stopping him. Um, then game three, if you look at and, and this is just not even talking about what was done by the Bucks, but in game three, Boston did a pretty solid job of scoring. It's just you had Giannis had an amazing night, 32, 13, and 8. Middleton with 20. George Hill showed up with 21. Um, and my, one of my personal favorite players in the league right now, Pat Connington. Man, that guy, 14 points, seven boards, two steals, 28 minutes on the floor, and the Bucks were able to get the win there in Boston in game three. Game four, more Milwaukee just all over. Giannis again, 39-16-4. and four. Hill with 15, Bledsoe 13, Middleton 13. Um, my boy Connington with nine points, ten rebounds, and a plus 22 for him in the plus-minus, which is huge. This Bucks team just seems to find a way when somebody falls down, let's just say Malcolm Brogdon, who's been out, um, they have found guys to step up and, and take places. And that's what a good team does. That's what championship teams do. I mean, if you look at who the best bucks are on the team, if you're going to start going through rosters, you'd say, well, clearly it's Giannis. And then Chris Middleton, the other all-star too. And then you can go Bledsoe. And if, if healthy Brogdon could see that role, uh, Lopez. So there, and there's some options there. But in this series, it's been Giannis, and then it's been George Hill, who you could say has been the best guard in this series. I mean, that includes Kyrie, who's put up a couple of stinkers, and then Pat Connaughton, who's come off the bench. And these are guys that throughout the season, Hill came over in November via trade. Connaughton, for a while, didn't play, and then played a lot, and then didn't play again, and then played a lot. And what the Bucks have kind of done, and I don't know how much of this is on purpose, 
or just how much of it is because the starters haven't been needed for 40 minutes a game throughout the regular season when the Bucks have been playing so well, is they're getting these guys that kind of come in waves, and they can play for a little bit, have an impact, and kind of fade back into the background. Sterling Brown starts game one, fades away, comes back, plays 10 minutes the other night. Not huge minutes, but still he's an option that you can use. And Sterling struggled a little bit when shooting in the series, but that doesn't mean he wasn't huge in the first series, which he was, and then that he could be really big in another series. So the Bucks, it's that depth, it's that bench that they've sort of compiled together, pieces that fit what they already have in Middleton, Bledsoe, and Giannis, why I, I like this team so much. I mean, obviously it starts with Giannis, and those other guys that are starters are great, good players. But the bench and the options and running Miritich and Urson and Hill and Connaughton as a lineup together and Sterling Brown, a lineup that like didn't play together all season, playing in the third quarter when the team needed them, when Giannis and Mids were in foul trouble. I just the bench is something that and the depth is something that Milwaukee's had all season and we've seen it here, but now because of the series, others are starting to see too around the league just how deep this team is, and I ultimately think that might be their biggest strength. Yeah, and they've done a great job since game one. Again, everybody's got to look back at at the game one comments by Paul Pierce, who I said on Twitter, I said, somebody's got their Celtics glasses on. Uh, And Celtics looked very good, and it was very concerning for a lot of people. And, man, you want to talk about open mouth, insert foot, Paul Pierce said it's over, and – I'm sitting at home watching, and I'm sitting there going, you cannot define an entire series by one game. Uh, that's the, that's a, that is a key rookie mistake. Because, you know, you work in radio, I work in radio. We both uh, have seen these series like this. And, and to judge an entire series by the first game is a horrible idea. And Paul Pierce, open mouth, insert foot, the Bucks. Uh, do you think maybe they motivated? They were motivated by his comments there moving forward? I think they've been motivated in a way by comments like that all season, but they really, you know, the Bucks have done a good job of not letting the outside noise distract them. For one, you could say there hasn't been a ton of outside noise because they've kind of just gone about their business and let all these other teams flare up with drama issues like the Sixers and the Celtics and some of the teams out West. So the Bucks on the front page nationally weren't getting that much attention and then in these playoffs, sure, everybody likes the Celtics, and uh, I think they're at a place now where people would favor the Bucks in the next round. But I, I think they just they know how good they are. They know the kind of team they are. So they don't need a Paul Pierce or, you know, whatever Ryan Hollins on ESPN is trying to do or any of these other guys to come out and and dispute them because they know the truth and they know how good of a team they are. After that first game, though, I mean – I, certainly, you can never think it's over. You're right about that. These seven-game series, there's so many twists and turns. I mean, they, let's say the Celtics win the next three. Everybody thinks it's over now, and then they'll say, oh, you know, there's so many twists and turns in a seven-game series that they never are over until one team wins four. But the the thing with that first game was, even for me, who took the Bucks in five in the series, who – it was still pretty confident that they would win the series. I mean, that was a demoralizing loss for, for me as a fan at least, because it was just coming off of a 
series with Detroit where there it was there was no issue beating that team. I mean, the Pistons were just happy to be there. But the Celtics, it really looked like they had taken all the Bucks' strength away, and the Bucks got embarrassed on their home court. And the way they rebounded from that and didn't panic, and Budenholzer was asked about adjustments he has to make, and he said, our adjustment is just play better. And I heard him say that, and I thought, oh, my God. I mean, what? you got, you got to make adjustments against a team that's going to make even more adjustments than Brad Stevens and the Celtics. But Bud was right. They just needed to play like the team they have been all season. They've been doing that the last three games, and that's why they're going into game five with that 3-1 lead. Yeah, and that, that uh, statistic out there is there are – 11 teams that have come back from being down 3-1 to win a series. One, of course, more the most recent and most famous, probably the Cavaliers in the 2016 finals. Uh, but again, <laughs> only 11 teams in history have done it. So that is a rarity. And, it's, and only but, two of them when they've been the lower-seeded team. Yeah, Um the Boston Celtics have done it twice, however. Of course, this was in the 68 Eastern Division Finals and the 81 Eastern <laughs> Conference Finals. So, a uh, little bit of a different team there. <laughs> Been a, a few years, but the uh, the last two teams to do it, Cleveland in the Finals and the Golden State Warriors did it in the Western Conference Finals in 2016. Uh, so, those are... Those are some of the the things that we got to think about here. But again, odds say the Bucks look good, and you know we talked a little bit about Pat Connington. And, and again, I hate to keep harping on him, but man, I am so impressed with this kid and the way he has stepped up and played. And a lot of people are probably going, "Where did this guy come from?" You know, he played at Notre Dame, uh, was a great player in high school. They talked about him on TV the other night, and they, they, I thought they did a great job explaining uh, where he came from. He's from uh, just outside of Boston, showed his parents on TV. Um, he's only 26 years old, a second-round pick, and he's made a huge impact. What, what do you think about Connington? Do you think this is a guy that the Bucks are going to invest in maybe long-term, or do you think maybe this is one of those he's just stepping in and doing what he has to do? No, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I don't think you back up the brakes trucks for a guy that has a couple of good weeks. But he certainly has shown what he can do in the NBA. I mean, he's kind of giving you, you know, I know it's a white-on-white guy comparison, but wouldn't you expect it if you see his stat line, that to be Gordon Hayward's stat line this series? And Gordon Hayward, instead, he's playing 30 minutes for the Celtics, had two points the other night. So Pat Connaughton has been that guy. And he's, I believe, under contract another year. They're not paying him a lot, you know, like a $1.5 million thing. And if the Bucks are going to be a team that invests a lot of money into a few top guys, like let's say the Warriors have done, then you're going to need those peripheral pieces to be impactful on the team, and you'll need a couple of them to hit. So with Golden State, they've had to get those fringe guys every couple of years, and then they've hit in the playoffs. They need that for Milwaukee as well, and Pat Connaughton could certainly be one of those guys because – the offseason does look interesting for the Bucs. I mean, Middleton, we're going to see what happens with him. Malcolm Brogdon's a restricted free agent. They've got to find a way to keep Brooke Lopez. Uh, Nico Miritich is a free agent. So lots of free agents uh, on the books for Milwaukee. Connaughton, at least, is under contract for another year. 
Uh, I think I'm pretty sure I have that right. I think I do. So he's going to be another one of those pieces going forward. And those are the kind of pieces you need. Now, after that contract, we'll see where he's at and what kind of impact he's had on the team. But certainly, I mean, he's, he's won over a lot of people. He's won over you. He's winning over everybody here in Milwaukee. It's just been great to see these guys that maybe have contributed throughout the season really step up and be the reason now that they're winning some of these games. Yeah, Connington's making $1.6 million this year. He's due $1.7 million next year. Um, and you look at the Bucks; they've got Malcolm Brogdon, who's only making $1.5 million this year. This is the end of his rookie deal, though. So, man, the Bucks are getting some, some quality out of, you know, if you look at the contract situation, the second highest paid player on the team is George Hill. Um, and if you'd have told me that, I would have never believed you. So I think that's a really neat fact. Um, another guy I do want to bring up, and it's because he just seems to show up in the playoffs. And whether it be – it may not be on the, the the offensive side. He may not put up the most points. But a guy that I, I like, and I liked him last year when he was in the playoffs, was uh, Ersan Ilyasova. He may not give you a, a lot of minutes. He may not be the guy that everyone's looking at. But I think he just does so much in stretching the floor – and maybe opening up lanes for guys like Giannis to get to the rim. I know he did it last year in Philly. He can knock down that three-point shot, and you got to respect him for that. Again, not putting up a lot of stats, but if you look at his plus-minus, he's doing some great things. Uh, what do you think about Ilyasova this season as he's come back to the Bucks and this playoff run he's got going on? Urson, that whole signing was interesting because I remember being at a, a buddy's it was the summertime, and we were all on the lake or something. And we knew it was free agency was starting. So we're trying to get cell reception and, and getting on our phones, and we eventually did. And we're trying to see what free agents sign at midnight when it opens. And right away, the Bucks signed Urs onto this multi-year deal. And we're like, uh, all right. Uh, I mean, because he's, he's had a tour of duty here before. So you think, okay, well. We'll see what kind of role he plays. We know he's played with Coach Budenholzer before. You know, let's see what happens. Um, and there's been games this year where he has looked really bad. I mean, he's he's looked really bad in games. But this is why Bud loves him so much. He can count on him. He takes those charges. He can knock down the three. He can space the floor. Everything that you're looking for when you have an offense built around somebody like Giannis. So he has been – Great, all these guys have. I mean, George Hill, who really is just shocking me. I I know George Hill has had a decent run before, but I don't ever remember him being this aggressive and this uh, influential in games wherever he's been. I mean, he kind of looked lost with the Cavs last year, and he had a good run in Indiana. But this this has just been impressing me beyond belief. Uh, Nico, who is still – I don't know how well – ingrained Miritich is yet into the flow of the offense because he came here, played a few games, got hurt, and now they're working him back. But he's made some very big shots for the team. And then you still got guys on the bench, Tony Snell, uh, DJ Wilson, who if they're needed to be called to duty, which they really haven't been yet in these playoffs, uh, you could get some big minutes from them depending on the matchup in the next round, maybe a couple of rounds. So this bench, again, I I love talking about these guys because it's, it's the reason that they are doing as well as they are, at least in this series. You get Giannis fouling out, or four fouls, so he sits out. 
eight minutes left to go in the third the other night. Yeah. I mean, you're going to need guys to step up. And when Bledsoe, Middleton, and Giannis were all out, it was that bench that took over Ursan a big, big part of that too. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, a lot of those guys deep into the bench there. Uh, and the Bucks are just doing their thing right now, and it's been great, uh, great to see. And I've, I've just been, I've really been enjoying watching this Bucks team. I, I was a fan of, I've been a fan of Giannis now since he came into the league. Really like where where his game is going, and he's developing that three point shot. Now, granted, it isn't, it, it's a hard thing to, to learn, but he's getting there. Uh, have you been more impressed with his three point jumper as of late? Yeah, it's gone up. Uh, throughout the season, we were tracking it, and the percentages were going up every month. What you've seen here in the playoffs is him nail some big ones. He also will still have some air balls. So when he gets a little time and he can take the shot, he, he he's good. If he's got to, like, catch and shoot, that's really not his game. But, you know, I, I, I hate when the crowd gets on him for an air ball because I, I think that when Giannis does make a three – that should make up for, like, the next three air balls because it's so awesome <laughs> that he made one to begin with. But to put that in and to – that's really been something that he's wanted to work on because, obviously, if the mid-range, which is kind of going away in the game, but, you know, guys like Kawhi and KD can do it, and that's why they are so dominant too down low. But once he starts bringing guys, if they're going to finally bite on it, well, then that's just going to give him more room to go to the rack. So – that he's he's really stressed working on that. He's taking that shot all the time. Uh, he's been reluctant to at, at least the start of the year to try to implement it into games, or he wouldn't do it until maybe the end of the game. But it's become a a valuable part of his offense now, and and it's only hopefully going to get better for him from from there. Well, absolutely, and uh, I know we got a lot of Celtics fans out there who are. Listen, who are listeners, and I know that they're disappointed right now. But uh, you got to give it to this Bucks team. This has been a series that the Bucks have have done a great job in, and we've had a great time covering uh, this series. This has been a fun series to watch too. Uh, I've really enjoyed it, and I'm hoping that we were able to talk more Bucks with you soon, Bart. Uh, this has been a fun ride for everyone who's a fan of Milwaukee. And I do want to thank you for jumping on with us and talking about this team and what all they've done this season, this off season. And won't you let our listeners know where they can find you and keep up with you? And hopefully we can get you back here real, real soon. Talk some more basketball, more bucks as the providing they advance. I'm not going to say if or when I'm going to say providing if they do. <laughs> yeah. You can find us uh, radio stations, one Oh five, seven FM, the fan. In Milwaukee, uh, you can get us for free in the podcast at the radio.com app. I'm on Twitter over at Winks Thinks, and I appreciate your time. I'm just this is the first time I've ever been asked to talk about the Bucks in May before, so this is, I like it, man. I could I could get used to this. Yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it, to, to actually be talking about it? But you know, we're, as wide men can't jump, we go all year round. So you may be hearing. From us, you know, if the Bucks make it to the finals, we'll definitely be talking to you. If they don't, uh, you still may hear from us come June and July because we're talking Milwaukee basketball all year long, along with all the other teams in the league, because basketball never sleeps here at Why Men Can't Jump. So that's just one thing we do. Well, happy to be a part of it.
Awesome. Well, again, Bart, thank you so much for jumping on, and we hope to hear back from you real, real soon, man. Same here. Thanks, man. And that was Bart Winkler joining us here on Wide Men Can't Jump, talking about that Milwaukee series with the Celtics. And the Bucks finished off the Celtics last night in not even dramatic fashion. Uh, the Celtics were a little disappointing in this postseason, Tim, don't you think? I'd say so. I think they, they, didn't, uh, they didn't live up to expectations. Not at all. A lot of people blaming Kyrie Irving and his lack of leadership. Uh, and he really did not look motivated at all last night. He looked like he was just packing it in. He was kind of done. I don't want to be here anymore. Let's go ahead and start the off season. Uh, that was the feeling a lot of Celtics fans had. Um, Nick Hoff I mean, posted online. Shout out to Nick. Nick posted, um, looks like the Celtics are going to pack Kyrie's bags for him. Are uh, we we'll starting to get to the point where Kyrie Irving is, we're going to have to label him a bit of a crybaby? Is he becoming it a liar? Is, is he starting to get that reputation uh, for no real reason? Or, you know, we don't really know what he's so upset about, but he seems to be upset all the time. Well, I mean, there was production. Uh, Jalen Brown had 16 and 7. Jason Tatum had a double-double, 17 and 10. Uh, Morris had 18 and 14. Horford with 20 points. Kyrie had 23 and 10 assists. Here's the stat that will jump out at you quicker than anything. Gordon Hayward. Two points, three rebounds. That's it. And okay, now Milwaukee, is that because – I didn't watch that game. Is that because Gordon Haywood is not playing well, or are they not making him a part of that offense anymore? You know, I, I watched some of it. I didn't get to see all of it. So, I, that was uh, – Hayward played 26 minutes. So, it seemed like he, he was kind of sharing time with Marcus Smart a little bit, and Terry Rozier had to get minutes. There was just a lot of minutes to go around in this series, but yet Rozier had two, Hayward had two, Smart had three. So you're looking at Hayward, Smart, Rozier, seven points between the three of them. You're not going to win that way. You can't. Well, how many how many minutes did Gordon Hayward play last night? Twenty six. Twenty six and a half. All right. So I would put to you. I mean, all right. I'm not somebody. And Horford played twenty nine. Somebody might want to so, correct me on this, but, I mean, if you're playing Gordon Hayward for how long did you say again? 26 20, and a half minutes. Okay, for 26 and a half minutes, and he only gives you two points, uh, why is Gordon Hayward out there for 26 and a half minutes? Well, again, you know, he is – his level of star, he's a very, very good scorer normally. But he really struggled in this series. Right, Not but just okay, this but game, when but. you're in an elimination game, it's win or go home. Yeah. And okay, after 15 minutes, and Hayward's got two. I mean, this is this is where coaching. This is where I don't think enough coaching goes on anymore. Where you got to well, adjust they, on they the like fly to, stick, to that and give they it like to stick working. with their rotation. They like to stick with their rotations, whether they work or not. That seems to be something that, that coaches do. They stick with their rotations, and maybe that's good, maybe that's bad, but it just seems like that's what coaches yeah. seem to do. I'll bet you Bart Winkler would tell you they shouldn't have stuck to their rotation. Probably not. 
And I think I think after listening to that interview, I just want to add this too. I think we might have to mm-hmm. rename Bar- Bart Winkler. We might have to oh, rename yeah? him. We might have to rename him Bert Wonderstone. <laughs> Incredible Bert Wonderstone. <laughs> the incredible Bart Wanderstone, because this guy, you know what a treasure he is. I say that not like jokingly either. I love listening to that. I can listen to that guy talk all day long. Well, when you're a radio guy, it comes naturally. Uh, speaking of which, Tim, let's let's go ahead and give a shout out to one of our great sponsors here. This is the law offices of Stephen P. New. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304-362-7345 for your free consultation a new level of personal service. Whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again, get your free consultation at 1-800-203-9169. Stephen P. New, answers to your legal questions. Thanks again to our sponsor, the Law Offices of Stephen P. New. Tim, uh, before Did I tell we talk you that about we our might have a, that we have a, might have a client for Stephen P. New. Oh, really? Yeah. I uh, know this. El Toro Robinson. Oh, uh, God. Sent me a letter uh, wanting to know uh, what I knew about uh, late night body cavity searches by skeletal fingered guards. Oh, Lord. That boy, I worry about him. He's a well, mess. He got, his insulin, he got his insulin at least, so things are looking up. Uh, that's always good. But anyway, we do thank the law offices of Stephen P. New for their continued patronage here. With white men can't jump in. Let me go off on a quick tangent here, Ned. It's Thursday night, almost Friday, Friday morning now. We need to uh, Friday morning where I'm at. <laughs> we need to do a a. Uh, you know, a 10 or 15 minute public service announcement with Mr. Stephen P. New looking at uh, things that may happen to, to regular. I mean, I know he deals a lot with class action lawsuits and, and uh, things like this, but I wonder if they're, you know, the regular people get in trouble with the law too and need lawyers and stuff. And if there wouldn't, if there isn't some kind of a, uh, you know, uh, things that would have that are more likely to happen to a regular Joe, like, uh, running into trouble with a landlord tenant situation or a fender bender with your car and those kinds of things. Or if you buy something from somebody and it turns out to be a, a dud or, you know, or stolen or these kinds of things. Just throwing that I out. mean, I mean, are you, you wanting some sort of maybe ask the attorney uh, thing? Yeah. Like a little... yeah because, I, because I think a lot of people are, are, are reluctant to, uh, because they don't want to look stupid, right? You know, they don't want to throw out there that I didn't know what to do when I, yeah, uh, when something like that happened to me, and I probably got hosed. Whereas, if, you know, who who knows your rights better than Stephen P. New? Just that. Well, I mean, he would know. Food for thought. Because Food he is. Thought. He is one of the best lawyers around. No well, joke there. Is my, 
this is my understanding. So if anybody would know, uh, it would be him. So or maybe Absolutely. he has somebody. Maybe he has somebody down there on his staff that would like to uh, do something along those lines. We'd be happy to uh, accommodate them, Mister Mister New, sir. Maybe, maybe I'll, I may have to get uh, to work about on that, that on on my behalf, Nick, from Canada, from Canada uh, to Mister Stephen. I can definitely, Gino. I can definitely do that. But I do want to bring up uh, next week on the show. You will hear. Uh, from some, n- no, you will hear from some new sponsors headed our way. We we've teased it. It has become official. Two brand new sponsors headed this way um, to the Wide Men Radio Network family, and boy oh boy, you're gonna love them. I can already tell you. Um, uh, I'll go ahead. I can't and, get. And, I can't get behind one of them though, Nate. <laughs> I'll reveal the one Tim is talking about. We have some friends in Montana, Stay Classy Meats. That's Stay Classy Meats, M E A T S dot com. Go check them out, and we'll be getting a discount code for you within the next week. They are awesome. They have sent me, um, because they don't ship to Canada, Bastards. Uh, but they have sent me a box of their meat to try. And I uh, did an unboxing today. It just got here today. So I did an unboxing. There's a video up on Facebook and I got one and I put some of it up on Instagram and on um, Twitter as well. So go check that out. I mean, we've got meat some, chicken. Yeah. I did steak, some research. Bison and elk and hamburger. In, in, in the, uh, I did some research into what was in that box and what it might cost me to buy at my local grocery store. And uh-huh. I couldn't even I couldn't even do it because some of the things that are in there, they just don't really sell at the local grocery. That's more of a deli no, kind of no, a thing, you know, or a high end butcher shop kind of stuff. But most mm-hmm. of the stuff was, you know, there's you know, like I mean I don't know. I mean I live in Canada, so it is a little different. I'm not sure what the prices are compared to, you know, well, if you guys I are mean, paying down in, at the produce. But uh, uh, it, $300, it, $300 doesn't get you much at the butcher shop. No, it really doesn't. It really doesn't. So, and you saw the video, Tim. I unpacked meat forever. It felt like there was I mean, I lot. know for sure that bacon isn't, you know, cheap uh, store bacon is an expensive prospect in Canada. Yeah. Uh, Ribeye oh, and stuff like that is an expensive prospect you're looking at double digit per pound no problem at all so when you mm-hmm. got uh, i think you mentioned today that you had six or seven pounds of pork chops or something in there i think it was okay well yeah. uh, you know at seven or eight dollars a pound that, that's 55 bucks right there like you yeah you know, i mean that price well initially you kind of look at it and go you know 300 and whatever it is because well that's a lot of money uh but if you actually went to the you know I, I challenge you go down to the grocery store and throw that in your cart and see what it's gonna what it rings up at. It won't be you'll be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yeah, and we'll definitely get you more on that uh, coming next week. Again, uh, thanks to Stay Classy Meats for hooking us up, and, and we will and, have more on some more sponsors as well. Their, and go check out their website. That's an interesting. Even if you're not really all that, you know, maybe kind of not really something you even want to do, it's worth the read to see how those people do business. 
compared to yeah. a regular. They do great stuff. Uh, it's it's inter- it's 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 informative, if nothing else. Yeah, definitely. But uh, let's go ahead and look at our next game again. Uh, if you look at the game last night, it was game five in Golden State. The Warriors were taking on the Rockets, and the Warriors led early. They had a huge lead, but the Rockets just seemed to just come right on back, and they played well. And this game was close all the way up until the end. And I know, Tim, you, you didn't – did you happen to see this game? I watched the end of it, Yes. So well, I, this game I came right down to fire. Of course, yeah, we talked about the much. Durant injury earlier, but it seems like the guys from Golden State came back and really battled later on in that game, and they were kind of just walking through the motions, it felt like. Steve Kerr was very upset. They turned the ball over quite a bit. Uh, just it was not looking good for the Warriors. I thought the Rockets were going to end up coming back in and winning this game. And to win three in a row against Golden State would be nearly unprecedented uh, as far as I'm concerned, especially and, with the way Golden State plays. And to be honest with you, statistically speaking, I didn't really get this from watching the game, but uh, statistically speaking, Golden State really didn't play that great a game. No, I felt they, they struggled myself. I, I felt there was a, a struggle there for Golden State. Didn't really see much from them that made me go, oh, yeah, these guys are playing great. Didn't see that. I, I saw. I felt like they struggled. Uh, I felt like there was I mean, I think I felt one, like there was shots may, going up that didn't need to go. Yeah, one may argue that Clay Thompson saved Golden State's ass last night. I think he did, and I do believe by doing so, he was able to get them, maybe even save this series for them. I think that that's a possibility. Uh, but again, you got to well, look at the other side as well, because I felt I felt on the other side the, the Rockets didn't really step up and, and really play no, great. No, uh, I mean when you look at you look at their stat, and at least statistically speaking, again. You know, you throw Harden out of there, what was left? Not much. Now, I know that's kind of been there. That's kind of been their uh, the the way they've done things yeah, all year long. But, I mean, you have got to get more from – and I'm, lo- I'm looking at you, Chris Paul. I'm looking at you. You are not doing well, Chris enough. Chris Paul had 11 points, six rebounds, six assists last night. Eric Gordon only had 19. I say only. 19, because Eric Gordon did not shoot the ball well. 30% from three, only 35% from the field. P.J. Tucker shot the ball decent, 13 points, 10 rebounds, but Austin Rivers didn't play well. Uh, Clint Capella. And they, getting, and they got nothing from the bench either. No, nothing. They're, they're basically right now, they're, 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 playing, they're playing eight or nine, but they're basically a six-man rotation at this point. I mean, that, that's pretty much all they are. Six, seven at the most is all I'm seeing out of Houston right now. And they just didn't really uh, impress me. That's going to be their downfall again is that they do not have a guy. You know, if Harden doesn't, you know, if he has a normal game, you know, okay, 31 for a normal game. But if he doesn't throw yeah. in 50, they lose most nights. 
and Golden State. Of course, it's Golden. I mean, they're Golden State. I mean, they're not. They're not no ham and eggers out there, as they say. I mean, they're no, they're no, clean. absolutely not. I mean, and they they and they have managed to keep him, for the most part, from going crazy on them. You know, he's he's done well, but not like. You know, like I said I don't think he's thrown up fifty. Or certainly well, he the hasn't won. They've won anyway. In the two games Houston won, uh, game three and game four. Uh, let's 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 go ahead and take a look at this series real quick. Uh, and these have all been close games. Game one was won by Golden State by four. Game two, Golden State wins by six. Game three, Houston by five. Game four, Houston by five. Game six, Golden State by five. So game four, Harden had 38. Now look at the rest of the scoring. Austin Rivers, 10. Chris Paul, 13. P.J. Tucker, 17. Eric Gordon, 20. So he had a lot of help in that game. How about game three? Game three, you see it again. Harden, 41. You had Eric Gordon, 30. Capella had 13. Paul had 14. Shumpert had 10. uh, When they've kept him below his average, they've won. And when they couldn't keep him below his average, uh, Houston won. Yeah. And it seems like when Harden goes above his average, he's able to get more help because they're so worried about Harden, he's hitting guys wide open. And that would be your – and Eric Gordon's knocking down shots. Austin Rivers is playing well. You're seeing a lot of stuff in this series. And there's been some controversy in this series, especially with the officiating. And we kind of touched on it, but – Tim, I got to sit down and talk to a guy named Robert Land. He's joined us on the show before. He's a great guy, uh, covers the Houston Rockets for the Houston Sports Talk podcast. And he and I talked, and this conversation is about 40 minutes long because we went so many areas that I didn't think we would go. But we did. it was a healthy debate about having – having a team like Houston, having a team like Golden State. ISO ball was mentioned a lot. We talked about Harden, the fouls, the travels, the potential travels, the landing on the jump shots. We talked about all this. So I think this is a conversation people are going to want to hear. And you get – because, you know, most people know out there, Tim and I are not Houston fans. We, We don't care for the way they play. We're not big James Harden fans. This is a guy that covers the team. This is a guy that is a Houston diehard, so you get his perspective. So we're kind of looking at both sides of the coin here. Um, you may agree with him, you may not, but I think it's good to get both sides of a situation, especially one that's been causing as many uproars and arguments and, and talks on you know the sports shows on Twitter, things like that. Um, so that, that's something we definitely – and to, um, and to clarify here, I still get paid even if I'm only on the show for 10 minutes. That's right. <laughs> Correct. But uh, okay. before we go there, before we go to my talk with Robert Lamb, we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to hear from our good friends at Cambay.com. Then we'll hear from Robert Land. Tim and I will be back on the other side, and we'll talk about the other two series going on in the Whoa, NBA playoffs right now. that tape. Are you sick of the boring, same old campsites with the same old girls and the same boring content? Well, now's your chance to jump over to a brand new website called cambay.com, C-A-M-B-A-E.com. 
When you're on Cam Bay, whatever you want and whatever you desire is right at your fingertips. Be sure to join right now and use promo code WIDEMEN to get 20 free credits on CamBay.com. Use those credits to go towards whatever your fantasy is and make sure that you know CamBay.com wants to make you as happy as you can be. Be sure to join right now. Again, it's CamBay.com, C-A-M-B-A-E.com. And unlike college, it's not going to take you guys 20 free credits to finish. So join CamBay.com right now. Use promo code WIDEMAN and get your free credits. Back on the show with us once again from the Houston Sports Talk Podcast, Robert Land. Uh, Robert, thank you so much for jumping on with us to talk a little Houston Rockets basketball. Man, it's a it's an interesting time. Uh, it's it's been fun. Yeah, it really has been, and I do want to uh, to thank you for jumping on again. I know you defended James Harden the last time you were on, and. Uh, you know, I'll go, again, I'm always the first to admit Harden is probably not one of my favorite guys in the league. But uh, I've always said if you're not a Houston fan, then that really shouldn't matter if, if you're liked by the rest of the league. But uh, anyway, let's uh, let's dive into this here. The Rockets were down two nothing to the Warriors, and it looked like the Warriors were just going to run away with this series, but. Houston has fought back, and they have made it a series 2-2 going into Game 5. Game 5 will be airing on Wednesday night um, as we're pre-recording this interview. So, Robert, can pay attention to the game. Uh, What's your thoughts on Houston's two-game homestand where they really played well and played against the Warriors? Well, I'm going to simplify it a little bit because, I mean, there's a lot of things that are going on, but the biggest storyline – over the last couple of games specifically is Austin Rivers. And and what has changed with the Rockets is Clint Capella, uh, even more so than last year, I I don't remember this being such a mismatch last year, but Clint Capella um, just, it's not working. He's not working out there. Uh, I, I don't know the most recent numbers, but going into last night's game, Wednesday night's game, uh, he was a minus 44 uh, plus minus when he was on the court in the series. Uh, the, the last game, they took away a ton of his minutes. He went down to 21 minutes uh, because they realized that Austin Rivers being out there and, and that small lineup was going to be beneficial to them. Uh, they played most of that lineup, that small ball lineup, uh, towards the end of game three, and they stuck with it in game four much more, and Rivers uh, has played really good offensively uh, he's given you some baskets he's hitting some big three-point shots but defensively he's able to hang in there and the, the problem with Clint Capella defensively is with all the rocket switching and with all the perimeter players that Golden State has he can't uh, stay with those guys on the perimeter so they do a fake and and then they're left wide open for three because you know Clint Capella just doesn't have the lateral movement of a smaller player as as you know, as athletic as he is for a big man. So that's been a real key part of the series uh, in the last two games. Also, 
the Rockets are rebounding. It, it was a catastrophe for some reason in the first two games. You know, it doesn't seem like it, it's been much more than remembering to block out, you know, fighting for every rebound, like you're trying to win a championship and all that. But uh, all of a sudden the rebounding edge has gone back over to the Rockets. They out-rebounded Golden State by 20 in game three. It wasn't quite as much in game four, but, I mean, that's another big key part of the equation. Yeah, and uh, P.J. Tucker gave you guys a lot of good minutes in game four. 41 minutes for P.J. Tucker, 17 points, 10 rebounds, and shot 50% from the field, made 50% of his three-pointers, which is huge. And he finished with a team high plus 11 uh, actually, that was the game high, and the plus-minus was P.J. Tucker. What has he meant to this team, especially this season, as going through the playoffs, and especially in the last two games? What has he meant to this Houston Rockets team? Oh, he's uh, he's the glue. He's the defensive stopper that the Rockets have. He can play the four. He can play the five. He can play threes if he has to. You can put him on pretty much anybody on the perimeter or inside, and he's going to handle it. Uh, I think the rest of the country is seeing what the Rockets fans already knew. And this guy is a dog. There, there was a player on the Rockets' first two championships, uh, Mario Alley. They called him the junkyard dog. He, he was that kind of a player. And P.J. has taken yeah, over I remember that him. He wears the same number that Mario does, number 17, in honor of, uh, of uh, Mario. And, you know, uh, it, it's uh, – I, I just can't – say enough what pj tucker does he's great at communicating he's the adult in the room at all times you know he's out there uh telling people uh what to do and and they believe in him and they respect him um you know chris paul obviously is very vocal on the rockets but pj tucker he's right there with chris paul is the most vocal and those guys go back away so people don't know they've been friends since they were kids uh, he came to the rockets he says because of chris paul when when the rockets made that deal so I know there's a lot of people out there that like, yeah, the Rockets are overpaying Chris Paul. Uh, it's going to be a bad contract in a couple of years. But you've got a window, and the Rockets saw a window, and they saw all the things that Chris Paul could bring. Uh, it's not like he's been fantastic in this series, but he gives them that battle, the fight that, you know, he does. It's, he's a guy that people do not like. Uh, around the league when he's not on your team. I get it. But as a, as a small guy myself, as a guy that uh, was nicknamed Smurf when I played on the basketball team, uh, when I was in middle school, uh, I, I love Chris Ball because, uh, you know, he, he's, he's the guy that I can relate to out there. But P.J. Tucker, uh, you know, he'll tell you what, what Chris Paul means. And, and I don't know if you saw it. Uh, it came out on Wednesday or Tuesday as we're speaking, but – you know, P.J. Tucker also spoke volumes in a Players' Tribune piece that he did on, on James Harden. And, you know, I know you and everybody else hate James Harden, but I think uh, his case for Harden being the MVP and what he said about James Harden speaks quite a bit because he's been on both sides of the equation. He's had to guard James Harden, and he plays with James Harden, and, and he knows of his genius on both of those levels. I will never, ever say James Harden is not a great player, because he is. I will give the man all of his respect. However, I, he is definitely not one of my favorite players in the league. And, and Robert, I, and I mean this 
Um, it, it, for me, it's I grew up watching old school basketball, and I hate watching Golden State play. Uh, there's times where Portland drives me crazy. My big problem, and, and this is nothing against those guys personally. I think they're all great players, great shooters, and you know what? Their style of play wins. It's just not my favorite thing to watch. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people get off at. And, of course, nobody likes the teams that win. Uh, you know, when you yeah, got a guy who's – The put- thing with Harden get, – get, get with me on this one here for just a second. The thing with James okay. Harden, I, I hear a lot of people say, I hate iso ball. I hate guys going one-on-one. I, I'm 47. I watched Michael Jordan. I don't remember anybody complaining about it when, when he was going one-on-one. Uh, you know, back in the day, oh, sure. people love watching Michael sure. Jordan go one on one. I don't get it. I don't get all of a sudden we don't like guys going one on one. Oh, I I never said that. My I never said that. My biggest thing that drives me insane, and this is just me, ISO ball is fine. That that is what it is. And James Harden's probably the best in the league at it. Um, isolation ball. My biggest thing with the way the a lot of these teams play nowadays is the running down the court on a fast break, which is fine. You know, hey, fast breaks win. But I hate the 35-foot contested shots with 19 seconds on the shot clock. Sometimes you make it, sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's a heat check. I look at it as, is that the shot that you really wanted? And, of course, these guys are good enough shooters. Yeah, sometimes they go in. But I'm sitting there going, you maybe could have hit a cutter. Maybe you could have worked the ball around, got a better shot. If if James Harden isolating works every time, I I would be the coach. I'd be coaching Antonio. I'd say do it every time. I don't care who likes it. But I think Golden State's bad for this. Portland, Houston does it occasionally. Is the the bad shots because there's times I just see bad shots go up. Even when they go in, to me, I, I'm going to be Paul George for a second. It's still a bad shot. But again. Harden's fantastic at what he does, and he should be in the conversation for MVP this year. We can't take anything away from what he's doing. If you look at him, game three in overtime, uh, the Rockets win 41 points. You can't deny that. I mean, you can't deny what the guy did. I mean, he he, he shot 32 shots, 43% from the field, and he went 5 of 13 from three. You can't deny that the dude is an amazing shooter, and he finds ways to score. That being said, a lot of people com- – and I think social media has a lot to do with it. That That's always been my take with it is people just want to complain. That's been my biggest issue with the Rockets. Is, and it's not just the Rockets. It's the Warriors. It's the Blazers. And it's even my Minnesota Timberwolves. They do it too. It drives me crazy when teams do that. That's my thought. If you're watching these telecasts, if you're watching the guys on TV, it is a flat-out love fest for Kevin Durant. It is a flat-out uh, hug and kiss and smooch all over Kevin Durant watching Not for the me. Golden State Series. If you're, if you're watching the broadcast team, yeah. uh, let's look at the numbers after four games. James Harden has 143 points on 108 shots. Kevin Durant has 144 points on 100 shots. Uh, James Harden uh, has 29 rebounds and 20 assists. Kevin Durant has 20 rebounds and 18 assists. So they're practically even. Harden's got him in a couple of categories. Kevin Durant's got him in a category. Uh, but it's a practically even Steven series, and that's with James Harden missing a whole quarter because uh, he got 
you know, beat down in the eye by Draymond Green. It's playing that whole game where he could barely see. I, I don't think James was sitting there just for, you know, the audience. Everybody thinks James Harden, I, I think, is Lawrence Olivier or something like that. He, he's not <laughs> sitting there blinking and squinting his eyes for four quarters of a game going, you know what I got to do? I got to blink and squint my eyes on TV for four quarters because of this and pretend like so- No. The doctor told his doctor said, "Look, I, I can't even believe the guy played like he did or played at all." And, and he said, "You know, he couldn't see; uh, he could barely see some of that." I mean, it, it, it was extraordinary. And not once did I feel like in the whole conversation during Game Two, after Game Two, uh, before Game Three, was there this talk that, "Hey, that was a gutsy performance." I get it. The Rockets didn't win the game. So it's not as cute and it's not as fun and it's not as fuzzy. But James Harden gave a gutsy performance in game two to get back in the game, squinting, could barely see, bleeding out of his eye. He still had a really good game down the stretch in that one and was able to keep the Rockets close and make it a game late when it probably shouldn't have ever been a game in game two. Yeah, and it was a gutsy performance. I won't deny that. And, the media loves Kevin Durant all of a sudden. I haven't forgot what Kevin Durant did joining a 70-win team, so you're never going to hear me really uh, to Kevin Durant's horn. These are two teams that play a style of basketball that uh, is becoming more the norm nowadays. And Harden played uh, gutsy with the the eyes. My question, though, Harden's eyes, If he re- and, I'm, and I agree with you, he couldn't see, his eyes were bloodshot, and they looked awful. I don't know why he was still in the game. Why do you think maybe Dan, Coach D'Antoni says, you can't you can't see you shouldn't be in the game? Why do you think he leaves Harden in there and lets him, even though they did bring it back and he played great, but is there does he not trust his bench enough, or do you want Harden in there, Harden blind better than maybe your number two uh, at that point? What's your thoughts on that? Two things. Uh, the first thing is, you're playing Golden State. You played all year to try to win the championship. You, you don't, you know, you don't worry about, you know, what what what's going to happen from there on. You're just trying to win every single minute, every single game. Uh, this this is your shot. I mean, the Rockets. There is absolute urgency, and I think there's urgency with both teams. But you know, because uh, Kevin Durant could leave at the end of the season, and it sounds like he will. But there's urgency with the Rockets because. Their window is closing fast. This is the, if it's not the oldest team in the NBA, it's in the top three. They've got Chris Paul, who's aging extremely fast. P.J. Tucker's not a kid. Eric Gordon's not a kid. Um, this is an older team. So their window is right now. You want to win now. And look, uh, you could say, well, you know, hey, it's the whole team. But it's James Harden. This is, most of this year, it has been James Harden that everything starts and ends with James Harden. And well, at Golden State, they got four all-stars on that team. They have two MVPs. When you take out James Harden, the Rockets have zero all-stars and zero MVPs. Chris Paul used to be an all-star. He is not that level of a player anymore. Uh, the Golden State Warriors have four guys that are still, to this day, very much all-stars. And the second thing is, from uh, why is James Harden in there? If you know James Harden, that guy hates to be out of a ball game. He has got to be argued to stay out a lot of the time, you know, if it's D'Antoni or if it's Daryl Morey. And he, and he, there's no respect. You know, I think the, the perception is 
oh, he's just trying to be out there so he can add to his numbers. It's all about, you know, putting up numbers so he could win MVPs and all that. No, I, I, I don't believe that. After watching him uh, the last few years, I, I just don't believe that. I've seen the guy get hit hard. I've seen him get injured, fall to the ground. I, I, I just don't think he's like, you know, winning an Academy Award at all times with this stuff. I mean, he, he gets hit hard. He's got the ball all the time. He goes to the basket hard. He gets hit, and he's always back in there. He, he rarely ever misses games. He's been one of the most durable players in the NBA over the last few years. I mean, people talk about LeBron James up until this year, about how durable he is. James Harden is, is, is good, if not better. And, you know, it's, it's a big part uh, of why I think he's uh, been extraordinary as he has been because he, he is out there all the time. And so you're not going to keep him out of a regular season game, much less a playoff game against the Golden State Warriors. It's just not going to happen. I understand that. I do. Uh, well, let's look at some of the other players. You mentioned Clint Capella, and, and this is a series that, that Capella, I, I, I believe he needs to be more of a rim protector in a series like this. Uh, and you mentioned he hadn't played well in this series. Uh, he only had six points, nine rebounds, but he only played uh, 21 minutes. Now, I'll be honest, I didn't watch much of the game. Um, I was tied up that evening, but was he in foul trouble or did Coach D'Antoni decide to go a different no, route? No, play no, no. It's, it's like I was saying earlier. It's become the Austin Rivers uh, matchup is much better, and, and, and that's why Capella uh, didn't play. They, they feel like the small ball lineup with, with Austin Rivers you know, I'm starting to call it the Rivers Five, you know, for the Hampton Five with Golden State. But the Rivers Five has outplayed the Hampton yeah. Five last couple of games, and, and, it, and it happened late in game three, and they went with it. D'Antonio went with it much more in game four because that's what's working. And, and Capella, you know, it's just not a good matchup. And, and, and him being a rim protector, it's Golden State. The problem with Golden State is they play kind of five-out basketball, and, and the Rockets like to switch. And they like to switch for a good reason against Golden State because if you don't switch against Golden State, you go under a screen, you don't get out there quickly quickly enough. Uh, they have the three best shooters in NBA history on that team. Curry, uh, Thompson, Durant, it, it, that's where you are. And, and Steve Kerr, you know, he's not uh, holding the reins back. He's playing these guys 40 minutes a night, almost all of them, almost his entire five. He's playing that much basketball except maybe Iguodala, but, I mean, if you look at what they do on offense, that's why. And you're going to see Golden State in this series, and we've seen it a lot. They, they make a lot of layups. They make a lot of dunks. And you're going to go, why, why are the Rockets getting beat so bad when the guys are going to the basket? Well, it's real simple because you're scared to death that they're shooting outside. And if you're the Rockets, they've always been about the math. And the math says, look, we would rather give up a layup or a dunk uh, and try to contest that as much as we can over giving up an outside wide open three to Steph Curry or Clay Thompson or Kevin Durant or and, and maybe and even Iguodala to a certain extent, although he's not anywhere close to those guys. But that that's the chance that they take, and and that's the way they're gonna they they play. That's the way they feel like they have to play, and, and they've turned it into a street fight, and that's that's the way they've been able to do it. And and, and give props to Jeff Bedzelik. I mean, everybody talked about it last year. Uh, they said, oh, well, you know, he, he, they've got a struggle to begin this year. He wasn't there. He came back. It was a struggle, but there was injuries. There was other stuff going on. But once the players came back, you see 
in a series like this what that guy is able to do defensively. And, and he's got these guys playing extraordinary on the defensive end because, look, I mean, to, to hold Steph Curry and, and put him in a slump in a series and make him look as bad as he's looked uh, from three-point range, that says a lot. And, and, and a big reason why he's looked bad, which is an under – you know, it's an – it's not something that's been, you know, maybe talked about as much nationally. I don't, I don't know, or at least I haven't heard that. This is part of the conversation. But Steph Curry is not hitting his outside shots because I don't think he's got the legs because the Rockets are always trying to put him defensively in pick and rolls because they're trying to get the ISO on him because all the other Golden State defenders are god-awful good. I mean, they're all great. I mean, Clay Thompson, uh, Iguodala, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, it's one great defender after another. The, the four of the best five defenders in this series are on Golden State. So uh, you want to get Steph Curry in isolation. They're running him through screens, and that's tiring out his legs, and that's why I don't think he's been shooting as well. Yeah, I, I'll have to agree with you there. Um, another guy who's actually turned it up quite a bit lately, Eric Gordon, game three, he was absolutely on fire. For the Rockets and Eric Gordon is uh, sometimes streaky, but man, oh man, what a game three he had! What's how's Eric Gordon fitting in right now in this dogfight of a series against the uh, the Golden State Warriors? I'm glad you brought up Gordon because he has been the most consistent offensive and defensive player throughout the playoffs for the Rockets. He's been extraordinary. His shot uh, has rarely gone south the whole playoffs. He was only two of twelve in game four, but I, I think the numbers are he's still around the 40% range from three, uh, but his defense throughout the playoffs, he pretty much shut down Donovan Mitchell in the first series. He's been fantastic this series. I, I think he's been playing mostly Clay Thompson, which you haven't heard of much. Uh, Eric Gordon, just a lot of dog. There's no bigger competitor that you're going to see than Eric Gordon. Him and, and B.J. Tucker – are such bulldogs out there, and they're so tough, and they give everything they, they can give on both sides of the court at all times. Uh, we've seen every blue moon I will see Eric Gordon with sort of a brain lapse. It doesn't, it, it doesn't feel like he's not trying hard. There's just kind of a he'll have a brain lapse. But that's like, you know, it's, it's happened maybe a couple of times uh, over – Two or you know over a season or something like that, you might see it happen two or three times where you go, oh, what happened? But otherwise, I mean, Eric Gordon, the, the Rockets would be nowhere without Eric Gordon and what he's given them offensively in the playoffs. He's look, he's the Rockets' second best player in the playoffs, and it's it it, it really isn't even close. He's he's better than Chris Paul by a long shot so far. Yeah, and that's not even close. Uh, if you're a Golden State fan, you see Eric Gordon catch the ball, and you're like, oh, no, not him. Please, not him. But he's played very well in the playoffs uh, this year. That's for sure. So the series now becomes a best of three. They're heading back to Golden State. No road team has won a game yet. What do the Rockets need to do in game five? Because they're gonna have to, if they're going to go on to the next round, they have to win one in Golden State. How do they make game five that game where they get out of Golden State with a win? They keep having to they – they're going to have to just keep playing their game, doing what they've been doing these last couple of games. I thought game four uh, was the first time since game two of the Jazz series that I saw the Rockets that I'm used to seeing 
on a regular basis. And really that, that has a little bit to do with the Rockets, and it also has a little bit to do with the quality of competition. I mean, the Jazz and Golden State, when both of those teams lock in, are two of the best teams, if not the two best teams in the NBA defensively. Maybe Toronto is right there with those two teams. But uh, I'd put those two teams against any two teams defensively. So if the Rockets can keep doing what they're doing, it's not about uh, necessarily uh, playing hard. It's about playing smart. You know, you you definitely have to play hard, but you've got to play smart against Golden State. You can't beat Golden State if you don't. Uh, do both of those things, hard and smart. They're going to need some shots to, to fall. They're also going to have to work against uh, the officiating because I, I know people nationally don't want to hear about officiating, but look, Golden State, uh, they, they get calls. Every team with as much talent as Golden State in NBA history, whether it's the Celtics and the Lakers of the 80s, whether it's the Miami Heat in the early 10s or you know, whichever one you wanted, the Bulls of the uh, of uh, Michael Jordan in the '90s, they they all got calls. Teams with talent, lots they, they get calls. That's what happened. Especially it's what happens, especially when they're at home um, in Golden State with that crowd. And, and I'm gonna be honest with you, the Rockets crowd not one of the better home court advantages in the NBA. Whereas Golden State's in the top four. It's right there with Utah and Portland. And uh, Oklahoma City, I would say, those are the, the, the four most rabid fan bases that I've seen. So, you know, the Rockets are going to have to keep their head. They're going to have to deal with not getting calls. They're going to have to beat maybe Golden State by five instead of by one because, you know, you're going to maybe not get a call or two your way, and you're going to have to live with that. And, and that's just part of the equation. Um, but – yeah, it, it's it's going to be tough, but if they can somehow get this next one, then it's all in their hands. They come back home, they got a chance to wrap it up, and uh, Golden State might might start getting a little bit tight at that point. We we've seen them keep their cool throughout this playoffs, and even with losses to the Clippers, which nobody expected, and the Clippers taking them to to six games, and you know some of what's happened in this series, uh, you know they always act like it's no big deal. We got this. We got this. Well, maybe. You know, maybe they won't have the we got this thing going into a game six uh, if they're facing elimination and everything's on the line at that point. But we'll see. Yeah, I guess we will. Uh, One thing I do want to mention, you mentioned the refs. I've noticed this. The Rockets, uh, when they were playing Utah, I felt the Rockets got some calls there in that series because of their talent they have. But in this series, those calls have kind of went away, whereas a foul against Utah – is not a foul against Golden State. Would you agree with me there that the fouls against Utah, that maybe Houston got a couple, and I'm not saying that the officiating's been bad and that Houston wasn't the better team against Utah. They clearly were. But fouls that they were getting against Utah, they're not getting now against Golden State. Oh, sure. But I I would say that wasn't necessarily the case when the Rockets were, were at Utah, those fans really can have an effect on the refs. And I think it, it was definitely an even more of an even thing when, when it was Utah, but if the Rockets get at home with the, the talent and the expectation that they have, maybe in the refs minds that, that a James Harden has, you know, that, that that's the case. But let me be clear. When everybody says the Rockets get fouls, they're usually talking about James Harden. It's just James Harden. Does he get fouls or doesn't he get fouls? And, 
you know, that that's the key. And, you know, one of the things that, that bothered me in, game, in all the game one conversation is there was all of this talk about, well, the Rockets were complaining about the calls and they're, you know, that's the Rockets. You know, all they, they only win by the calls that they get and everything like that. It just didn't bother me that I, I thought the refs missed these calls. But what really bothered me in that, in, in that whole conversation is th- those calls, those, the, the, the three or four, and I believe it was four in the first half where, you know, the Golden State, uh, they ran under James Harden on a three and didn't get called for the foul. That's James Harden. That's the Rockets' best player, and you're putting his, you know, ankles and his knees and everything in jeopardy. There's a reason why that became a call. We saw it with Bruce Bowen. He used to do that all the time. Uh, Kawhi Leonard got hurt against Golden State a couple of years ago, as everybody remembers, and that, that's what um, I think precipitated that call being much more of a thing and there much there being much more of an emphasis on that. But – you know, let, let's just not talk about the calls in game one. Let's talk about the fact that um, you, you weren't protecting James Harden. The other part about that is it was early in the game, so it set the precedent to where Golden State knew that they could just do that every time. And if you're James Harden and you're trying to shoot a three-point shot and you're worried about where do I land because these guys are – the guy's going to just jump out and he's going to have his body and his feet under me, you know, that affects – how you shoot the ball, that affects uh, what you're doing out on the court. So, you know, it's not one call or two calls or three calls, although I think it was like three or four in the first half and the officials came in the locker room, told Mike D'Antoni we screwed up on four of those calls. And and the officials are allowed to screw up, and they're allowed to screw up a couple of times. But it's, you know, it's shocking when it's it's repeated, and it's shocking when we're talking about the safety of the players that's involved, and this is a call that you've called all year and you've called for a couple of years and not just with the Rockets, but with every team in the NBA. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that's part of, you know, the frustration for me is just it's the health and safety. And it also, you know, it, you're not making a particular call is a, is a basically is an allowance for golden state that they can do what they want. And, and the Rockets kind of have to change their game plan. And, and that's what they had to do at the end of the game. When you make a call and it's a missed call or something like that, it doesn't change the course of a game or the course of a number of plays. But that one, you know, you felt like, you know, as a Rockets fan, you were frustrated because it, mm-hmm. you felt like it changed what the Rockets were trying to do out there. And, you know, in, in that P.J. Tucker piece, you know, he says, uh, you know, the quote, I'm going to quote him directly from the Players' Tribune piece that he just put out. He said, you want to know why James Harden gets so many whistles? Because he gets fouled a lot. There you go, mystery solved, and that's the truth. I mean, that's why he's that's why he's great. And if he's, you know, if, if he's faking it all this time with every ref and everybody talking about it and all the emphasis, and he still gets the calls. Something tells me he probably deserves the calls because he's probably getting fouled. I mean, and, and and if and if you can't, if you're a you're a player that can't do it, maybe you're just not as good as James Harden, and and that's. You know, I I just kind of want to get get that out there because maybe somebody's listening mm-hmm. to this and you only listen to the national conversation and you, you don't, you know, maybe you don't understand necessarily uh, from watching James Harden on a regular basis and what he's capable of doing. But, you know, there's just a general hate for the for the guy, um, uh, for how he plays and, and, you know, what the people think that he can get away with and all this kind of thing. But, 
um, you know, if you watch this this guy on a, on an every game basis, you understand, you know, what is so special about him. And this is a lot of this narrative is false narrative, just like the defensive stuff with James Harden. You know, that should go away if you start watching him on a regular basis. A couple of years ago, it was bad, but he's a, he's fixed all of that over the last couple of years. Um, it, it's been a process over like a, a few year period, but specifically over the last two years, he's been really good defensively. He's you know he's been one of the uh, leaders in, in steals and deflections. Um, so he's doing he's doing it uh, everywhere. It's not just offensively. You know, he gets assists, he gets rebounds, he does a little bit of everything, and and he and he's such a smart player out there on the floor, and and that's that's how he's able to do it. That's how he's able to lure guys into into you know hitting him on the arm or to bumping into him or, or whatever. What was your and this this I want to bring this up and, and this is my my last thing I want to to bring up with you about James Harden because there's been a lot of controversy and you brought it up. Did you see the Scott Van Pelt um, what he went over on Sports Center? Did you see that the the video of of when Harden he said when now this is Scott Van Pelt talking when Harden shoots a regular trying to make a three jump shot versus when Harden shoots a trying to draw a foul three point jump shot. Did you see that? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't see it. Okay. Well, basically, what they're saying, uh, and I'll sum it up for you just a little bit in case anybody out there hasn't seen it. They're saying Harden, when he shoots a regular jump shot, and he must have room to land, and that is a rule, and he gets fouled more than anybody on this call. Um, in the regular season, he got called 95 times. He was fouled on a three-point shot because of this. The next closest guy was uh, Kimball Walker. And uh, someone else were both tied with 45. Um, and and, they and were I just want to point out, like I, I watch a lot of that stuff, and it's, you know, I, uh-huh. I watch every single game. I, I do not miss one. I, I DVR it. I watch oh, every I, I know. single Rockets game, beginning to end. And you know, the, some of it is the landing area, but a lot of it is he gets hit on the arm because what happens yeah. is with with this step back jumper. What we, the, the step back three is, is basically where he's getting fouled a lot on the three, obviously. It's the step back. And what happens is he does that move where he steps back, and your immediate thing, if you're his defender, is you want to get out on him quick. But mm-hmm. he does it so quickly, and then the, the guy lunges out against him, and they're not only under him, but they're also hitting him on the arm most of those times, too. It, it's, it's, it's both. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying they don't. Um, he does get hit a lot on the arm, but a lot of people are saying he is kicking, kind of doing the old kicking his legs out, trying to jump forward with his shot. Now, the foul on Draymond Green, Draymond Green that they didn't call in game one, uh, that should have been a foul. I will be the first. And, and, you know, I've admitted not the biggest Harden fan, but that should have been a foul uh, because Harden was uh, – he shot the you, ball, but the Draymond Green – Yes, yes. Green jumped into him. Uh, Harden did not yeah. jump as far forward as Green jumped towards him. Now, but there are times when I do see Harden, and and I don't blame him because if he gets the call, why wouldn't he? Shoots the ball and maybe has like a long jump kind of landing area where he tries to land in front of where he released and get that defender who maybe went straight up and down on a foul. That's just but something I've those, seen. But both of those, I, I haven't seen the video, but I, you know, you okay. Here's the thing: 
So I'll send it to you. When he doesn't have a a defender lunging into him, when he's standing still, and you're going to have to tell me if if I'm wrong of what Scott Van Pelt's showing. He's probably showing Harden, you know, with wide open threes or there's a defender not near him. Well, you're going to change your shooting uh, the way you jump shoot differently when a guy's coming at you because you're trying to, you know, it's a thing where you're trying to uh, release the ball as quickly as you can so you're, you're kind of jerky and your movement becomes a lot more jerky and your body movement is not as relaxed as when you're standing there all by your own and you can read the label on the ball and, and um, you know, you have that perfect balance. And a lot of times when a guy's jumping at you, I think some of the things that Harden has to do, which, which, which he has to change while he's in midair, I'm guessing, you know, I played a little bit of basketball, but uh, not a whole lot, but just as, somebody that, you know, goes out there on the court, you're probably having to uh, – you're, you're probably having to, to change how you're releasing the shot, and that's causing you to, like, use your legs in maybe different fashion than you would or use your arms in a different fashion as you would. Is that is – that, does that go against what Scott Van Pelt was saying? Or, or you know, am I, am I um, you know, trying to be an excuse person, or, or does that make sense? No, 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 no. This, again, this is just a video. And, of course, the video, you are right when he's showing Harden going straight up and down. Uh, it's a defender coming over to him rotating late or a defender he's kind of knocked down or shook a little bit versus a defender coming at him. Uh, I'll send you – I will text you the video because I, I do think this is something that a lot of Rockets fans should see. This is Scott Van Pelt, uh, national ESPN coverage. And, again – and and Harden's not the only person that does this, by the way. He he's just the one that that seems to do it. It says here Van Pelt breaks down oh, Reg, how Reg, Harden Reggie changes. Miller, one of the all-time great three-point shooters, Reggie Miller would always do that. I mean, he he throw he yeah. would throw both of his legs out splayed when he would do it. And and I don't know if I see Harden that he Harden's just. It seems like he's more like coming forward sometimes. And sometimes when somebody comes at him. When James Harden knows that somebody's going to come at him defensively, sometimes I think mm-hmm. he might open his legs up more than he would on a normal jump shot because he knows when he comes down, uh, they might be under him. And if they're under him, you know, he can't, let, he can't land in his landing space or he's going to break his ankle or, his, or hurt his knee. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of, of what we're getting into there. And Paul Pierce used to do the pump fake and jump into the guy. Um and that's just part of the game, I believe. And this has just been a controversial topic, and I really wanted to get somebody who, because I know a lot of people have been sounding off on what Harden does. I wanted to get a pro-Harden guy on and maybe get your get his thoughts, and I'm glad you were able to talk to me about this a little bit. But I have kept you way longer than I should have, Robert, and I appreciate you talking Houston Rockets basketball with me and talking about uh, this series with the Warriors and the James Harden controversy, because there's been a lot to talk about here, especially with this series. And um, I do thank you for jumping on and talking with us and let our listeners know where they can keep up with you. And hopefully we can get you back on. And I enjoy talking with you because it's it's one of the rare times I get to talk with someone who I don't necessarily agree a hundred percent with, but I like the fact that we're able to discuss it and not argue. Does that, does that make sense? I, that's something I enjoy. Yeah, well, it's funny because we're in a time right now in, in the world where that is harder and harder to find. But, it, uh, it really you know, is. I, 
the the sports debate. I mean, I grew up with it, so so it's always fun. But yeah, Houston Sports Talk um, on Twitter, it's at HST Podcast. But we've been doing a, a, a Houston Sports Talk podcast for five and a half years now, and it's uh, on iTunes and Spotify and you know pretty much anywhere you'd find your your uh, podcast. But uh, just we have a blast over there, and we've been doing a post game show after every one of these Rockets playoff games, and it's it's fun to kind of be able to bet a little bit after these games are over with because there's a lot of stuff been going on. It, it is they, they are full uh, three hour long movies every time the Rockets play Golden State. Yeah. There's always like five five to ten storylines at least. Oh, always, and it's been a fun series to watch. But Robert, thank you again for jumping on, and I really hope we get you back on soon, and we'll talk some more Houston Rockets basketball. So thank you again. No problem. Thanks. Bye-bye. And that was my talk with Robert Land from the Houston Sports Podcast. Tim, you still with me? I know that one was a long one. That was a, that was a long one, yeah. Um I have comments. Okay, go for it. Um, I want to be diplomatic here. Uh, Methinks the Kool-Aid's pretty strong in Houston. (laughs) Uh, However, however, I would expect nothing else. And I don't say that disparagingly. I would expect nothing else from someone who covers that team, that that would be their take. Um, I would argue that most of the points about uh, landing space and the fouls being drawn and all of that stuff becomes totally irrelevant if he's called for traveling, which he does nearly every time he takes a shot. Uh, I don't know what to, I mean, you can sit there and debate it till the cows come home. Uh, I don't think James Harding is a crybaby per se. I'm not sure about the padding of the stats theory. Uh, I don't know what he thinks, so I can't I can't begin to have an opinion on any of that. Uh, but they, I mean, he would make you believe that James Harden is the only one who is uh, being done wrong by somehow, and I mean, come on. I mean, really. Uh, but I understand the perspective. Yeah, but I think, but but what's going to happen if they don't do something about those calls or whatever that problem is there? However you want to look at it, um, the other guys are going to start doing it, and pretty soon we're going to have 642 free throw attempts per game because the smarter players are going to. Steph Curry has already started to do it occasionally. Yeah, I mean, I mean a they, lot of players will start. They'll start more so up that than move. Because More so than they already have. Right, because he it works. He either gets space to make that shot a, a little less uncontested, or he draws a foul. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, and I, I, I have to admit, I'll give full marks for the genius of that in the sense of he kind of almost wins either way. Yeah, degree. I mean, if you can do because it, get away with it. 
the fine. And if he, and if you don't, well, I mean, how often does that happen? I just know that, like I said, my problem with him is that his his butter move is a travel, and I don't care what I anybody agree. wants to talk about <laughs> zero steps and gathering and all this BS that they come up with. There is no yeah, way I've that anybody. Always... Can... Yeah, that is all garbage. He moves his pivot foot twice while dribbling or or moving the ball from left to right. He does it every time. You can it, it's not even open to debate. Now, whether the NBA is going to say, well, you know, well, he's allowed to do that or not, that's another story. But if he is, other like I said, it's not going to be long before somebody in college picks up on that if they haven't already. And I'm sure they have because they're smarter than we are. And kids are going to start to learn, learn to shoot that way, period, and not know how to shoot any other way. And then they're going to have a hell of a time getting it out of the game if they ever want to decide that they don't really care for that. I think it leads to too many cheesy points. I've got nothing against free throws when you actually get fouled. But this nonsense of that somehow he is deserving of a four-foot arc around his feet that he should be allowed to land in <laughs> is – it is ridiculous. To me, you're you're entitled yeah. to the, you're you're entitled to the space that your feet were in when you left the ground. You're not entitled yeah, I mean, to much, I, yeah, you're not entitled to much more than that in my mind. But as I said, I understand. I mean, he's a he's a Houston guy, so I get that. But I, I'm calling. Uh, I respectfully uh, will respectfully uh, agree to disagree. And we'll leave it at that. I understand that. I understand, but uh, one second, please. Apologies, had a scratch in my throat. Two game sevens headed your way. There will be two game sevens this weekend, and they will be the Toronto Raptors and the Philadelphia 76ers. They will have game seven, I believe, on Sunday. It's on Mother's uh, Day. Well, what, what better gift to give mom? The Raptors are going to try to give. Yeah, they're going to try to give Mom the win on Sunday. Well, again, uh, Game Six will be Friday, May tenth. There will be no games on Saturday. Yeah, they they have loaded up Sunday. Um, I don't know what they're going to do because they've already got two of the games scheduled for Sunday. well, well, I if guess Houston the Rock- and Golden State, I guess the Rockets Warriors the- game might not go seven. So, right? It may not. Um, well, they've the got Nuggets that one Trail scheduled Blazers. for one thirty, and they yeah. got the Toronto game for five. So, where are they going to put that Trailblazers Nuggets game? Uh, uh, I guess it'll eight probably o- be eight o'clock. Early is going to have to be like eleven o'clock in the morning. Yeah, my, that's your time out of mountain time. Yeah, okay, but one one on Sunday is not that great when you got another game scheduled at three thirty. If that game takes place, of course, and I would have to argue that that's your money game in the in the in the three of them if they were all to take place on the same day. Yeah, if they all happen, but I guess a lot of it goes by because the, the Toronto game, according to me, is seven o'clock Eastern. If Correct. there's a game seven between Houston and Golden State, it'll be at three thirty. And if they're uh, in game seven, uh, one, I guess. 
That was to be determined. It says I've got that. Well, I mean, the game just ended, so we haven't had time to figure that yeah, out. Yeah, literally just ended. But yeah, all the games will be on Sunday. Um, Philly, be a day, big win. Yeah, really. Philly, big win tonight as they beat the Toronto Raptors 112 101. Butler had 25 points. Harris 16, Embiid 17, Reddick 11, Simmons 21, and the, they cruise over the Raptors. Kawhi 27, Siakam 21, Lowry 13. Nobody else in double figures. So the Raptors, they kind of just go as Kawhi goes. Whatever Kawhi well, does, they seem, they seem a, to just do it. Decent, he had a decent game, but Toronto got nothing off the bench to speak of. And the yeah. uh, 76 the 76ers starters were all double digits tonight, and that was the difference. Very true, and that's what it comes down to. Uh, and then looking at uh, the the late game tonight, Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Rodney Hood, Lillard 32, McCollum 30, Hood 25 as the Blazers move on. And, Folks, believe it or not, Zach Collins, 14 points, four rebounds, five blocks uh, I, I, in this I saw, game. I didn't have the sound on, of course, but I had the game on. Uh, I saw some kind of graphic come up that he had some uh, something about only third player in the last 10 years or something to have 10 points and five rebounds coming off the bench in a playoff game. Something ridiculous, but he did something – he did something worth doing tonight, apparently. It was the 10 points, five blocks. He had five blocks. Okay, that's game. what it was. Big night for him. On the other side, Jokic 29 and 12, Jamal Murray 24 and 10, Harris had 15, Millsap 17, uh, Craig had 10, Will Barton didn't were do there, much. Seven uh, Will Barton and, and Seth Curry got into a scuffle. Yeah, I was about to say, were there any technical fouls issued during that during that two uh, double practice? Technicals on both, two double technicals on both guys. So both guys were thrown out of the game. They may neither. I don't know a hundred percent, but those guys may actually not be able to play in the next game, depending because, on. Uh, uh, Joel Embiid got a technical tonight and is one away from suspension, but they fully suspect that uh, they will appeal that and it'll be rescinded so that he. Has room for another one. Hmm. <laughs> well, we'll see, that. but so, but again, so that will lead us to game sevens, and it seems as though the Blazers, when they can get somebody other than McCollum and Lillard to kind of really step up, because Lillard and McCollum, they're good both for for some points, but they really need a third, and they may have found that with Rodney Hood. He played great tonight, played really well. Denver on the other side, Millsap's kind of there. He does his thing. Does Millsap just plays Millsap ball. And when they can get Millsap's production level up, Millsap does great. Jokic is a walking triple-double. He can pass. He can shoot. He can score. He can rebound. He does it all. Jamal Murray's a great guard. He does well. If Gary Harris is knocking down jumpers, then I believe that that Denver has a chance. And all that. So, I really do. I I have to be honest with you. I would refuse uh, at with a gun to my head to put any money on any of the game sevens. <laughs> it's, I'm telling you, that is a uh, 
That's a two pickums there in Game Seven. I, of course, I'm we not, could. The have. only one I feel yeah. slightly good about maybe might be Golden State, but then with Durant not playing, that one becomes slightly more iffy too. Well, again, it, how Game Six goes, I think it's going to be oh, hard okay, for. Yeah, for sorry, yeah, I think it's going to yeah, be hard. It's hard for Houston to win in Golden State, and I don't think they can win in Golden State for Game Seven. I think that will go seven. Because I don't think gonna, that Golden State and in Houston. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Houston beats Golden State in game six, that you see a miraculous recovery from Kevin Durant in game seven. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll depending see what on happens. What's really, depending on what's really wrong with them. Because you never, you never know. Well, they can't afford to lose, right? No, no I suppose not. I'd rather, as Robert, I'd rather play as Robert Go ahead. Okay. I'd rather play him in Game Seven and win, and have him out for Game Win, Game One of the next series, as opposed to the other yeah, way around. True. You know, if very he, if true. He, but if he's going to need a rest afterwards, I'll give it to him in Game One against Philly or Toronto. Is that who they're going to play? Yeah. yeah okay. No, so, they will play. Oh, no, uh, no, 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 Milwaukee, right? No, they'll play either no. Portland or Denver. Oh, okay. Well, then even more so. Then even more so because I don't think either of those two teams has got a much of a chance against Golden State if that's how it ends up. Just my opinion. Very true. Um, um, Robert Land said that both the Rockets and the Warriors are looking to try to end this to win this this year because they feel the window is closing, uh, and I think they may be right because Durant and Draymond and Clay could all possibly walk next year. I don't think they all will, but I think somebody's gone from this Golden State franchise. I'm, I'm thinking two somebody's are gone. I'm thinking yeah, Durant and Green are gone, but I don't know that start, for a fact. Somebody's going to start looking for that super max, or maybe not the yeah. super max, but, but the big money that they can't get from, can't get where they're at. So especially after you've won a couple of times, you don't really – I mean, that, that becomes a – I mean, everybody likes to win, but it doesn't become the driving factor in where you end up going. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Very true, especially when it comes to the fact of everybody looks at Durant now and says he couldn't do it if he hadn't went to the Warriors. Uh, and, you know, I mean – I. Well, he won his championships, but yeah, we, you know, we can't be, we can't he'll always have that there. Yeah, we can't do revisionist history. We can't say that that's necessarily true, but we can say that it certainly made it easier. It <laughs> helps. I'll argue, say that. Yeah, yeah, we can't <laughs> argue that. Well, any more than you can with the whole with all the LeBron stuff. You know, if if nobody right. goes, to, you know, if nobody goes there, does he win? I think probably eventually he wins, maybe one or two. Does he win as many as he did? Probably not. I mean, you're probably right there. Just depends on that, but... Um, Seg- segue you know, that into the Ty Lue stuff. We're running out of time. Well, yeah, let's, I, let's, I was going to, to because we've got... We've just got a little while left here on the show, and we do want to bring up the Lou well, incidents going, in we're L.A. Going we're going over tonight, so just so you know. We're going Okay. Over. Okay, well... Ty Lu in Los Angeles, the whole um, situation there where he was interviewed, they were working on a contract, 
to make him the coach, and then all of a sudden he decides, no, I'm I'm bowing out. I don't want to be the coach of this team. Now, I've heard several different things on this. I've heard that Tyloo wanted to pick his own assistants, and the Lakers were not having it. They wanted to, like, I think from what I heard is, they wanted Jason Kidd to be one of the assistants on the team. Ty Lue did not want Jason Kidd as an assistant on this team. Uh, LeBron has came out and said that he possibly wants Tom Thibodeau on this team as an assistant. Good luck with your knees, LeBron, if that's the case. Oh, uh, LeBron, will now be, LeBron will now play every minute of every game ever. But there's there's a lot of talk about the coaching situation. There's a lot of talk about who's coming in. The Lakers still have yet to name a head coach. Their previous head coach already has a job. He's been uh, signed by Sacramento Kings and a move that I felt was a little uh, iffy. And a a lawsuit, let's not forget. Well, that's all alleged information that I won't get into here. I'm not going to throw somebody off. No, no, me me neither, but, I mean, people have been busy. Uh, You know, what are the Lakers waiting? What are they waiting? I think the Lakers figured they'd just have whoever they wanted. And they're finding out I in the coaching. I think they're finding out in the coaching realm what they found out in the player realm that that's not necessarily the case anymore. Well, LeBron James, and for be it warranted or unwarranted, has become somebody that some people anyway don't want to get involved with. That's true. I, I believe LeBron. And if you think about it, again, I'm not trying to throw. LeBron under the bus necessarily here, no, but at the I'm same time. I'm just, I'm just saying that it appears that some, I mean, I would have figured Tyler was a slam dunk for that job. Oh, me too. I assume Tyler would come there, in, but now he's not. Been there, done that, but apparently even he had some limits for about what he was going to take or not take. And I guess they felt they, they didn't need him. I mean, mind you, I'm, I'm not sure what, I don't really know if Tyler's really that great a coach or not. We're not really sure because we're not really sure how much of the coaching he actually did or didn't do. I mean, kind of, he's good at we're taking kind of, coaches. We're kind of of the opinion that he's all right. Well, mind you, I mean, there is something to be said for that, to let your stars go out there and do what they do and kind of work around it. I mean, they won. What did he win? Two, twice? Once. Got there Only three once? times, won once. Okay, yeah. but even that, how many guys get there three times? I mean, that alone is a... True. But Buffalo, I, yeah, Buffalo I, Bills got there four times, but that's beside the fact. Yeah, in a row. Uh, <laughs> in a, I, think they, I think they thought they were just going to sign him and he would be their, uh, you know, marionette spokesperson. And they could pull his strings and he'd do whatever they wanted him to do. And they found out that he wasn't didn't really need that gig that badly. And he probably doesn't. I, so Have you heard... But but since Ty Lue didn't sign, this brings in up another point of information. I don't know if you've read this yet. In Los Angeles, according to Reddit, and this is leaked out and now becoming uh, somewhat of a Twitter sensation, Los Angeles Laker fans are getting together. I don't know if it was uh, – I believe tomorrow or the next day or this weekend, something like – sometime in the near future – and, it, and, and you'll love this because this is California. This has California written all over it. The Lakers fans are going to, are going to protest the Los Angeles Lakers and the disappointment of the franchise right now. They are going to protest. Good, uh, they, have nothing, 
they have nothing to complain about. I mean, yes, the Lakers have not been very good for the last couple of seasons, but good Lord, what do you want? Every well, here, franchise, even the greatest ones, have a year, a couple of years where they're not so good, where they got to reload. I mean, I would think being a Lakers fan has been a pretty good role the last 30, 40 years. Hell, forever. That, and, that, and, that, and, and that could be the problem. That could be what we're seeing here. Yeah, we're seeing a group of fans. Spoiled. A group of fans who maybe got a little spoiled and are used to winning, and now they're not, and they haven't had to deal well, with it. So now they're going to kick, kick and stomp and yes. let it be known they're not happy. And even if they didn't win titles, they still were relevant. The press was still talking about them. Um, it was a destination. Players wanted to go, and it isn't anymore. Yeah. And it, it just isn't right now. There's people, they, they see what goes on there. And, well, I mean, look at the mess they got. I mean, okay, if you're the, if you're no, they've got a mess. The only good thing right the Lakers there, have really going for them. The, go ahead. The, they have a lot of empty contract space. There's a lot of space to, well, to bring in but, players. And, and here but, we're well, talking about this right now. We're talking about this now. But if you think about it, give it. Give it three months. Three months. This could all be a thing of the past, and we could be looking at a, a Lakers team. Now, I don't think this is going to happen, so don't yell at me for this if you're listening. I don't think this will happen, but potentially this could be a Lakers team that could have LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, and Kevin Durant all on the same team. Well, quite possible. I don't think that. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, but, but I, it, it, there is a slim possibility. I think though that that adds the reason why a guy doesn't want to go coach there. You have no idea what you're, Could be. What you're getting. You have no idea what you're getting yourself in for one way or the other. And, and, you're, and, dealing with an ownership, and you're dealing with an ownership that has not been exactly uh, on top of their game recently. Well, uh, and Magic you left. You're, you're not going to have any say on most of this. True. You're going to, you're not, you're going to get, you're going to get handed the pile and make it work. Well, I need a. I really could use a yeah. point guard here. No, you don't get a point guard. We got you. This guy, make it work. You got, you got Rajon Rondo. Make it work. Yeah. Well, or well, or but or whatever. So, but we're not going to get you. We're not going to get you again. The late the Lakers. Well, the, the, this Lakers situation has become a mess, and it, it's it's just been, it's been almost comical in a way, but it, at the same time, it's. Uh, there's just so much going on. Yeah, you know what? I think they're another, they're another organization where uh, I know how it. I'm going to go out and say it. Uh, Jeannie Bush should stick to business, what she's good at. Basketball, not so much. Uh, they need to get rid of all of the guys who were once upon a time great Lakers, or you know, guys who had something to do with the franchise 20 years ago. Blah, 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 blah. You need to bring in somebody there who is allowed to make some decisions, who doesn't have – I mean, they ran – and who they run out of there? Uh, I mean, there's been, some, Just, there's been some incredible managers and coach types that have been run out of that town by people who knew nowhere near them uh, as much about the sport as they did. Uh, Jerry West comes to mind. Yeah. Now, Jerry granted, was fantastic. He's also, 
you know, granted, he's also a member of the old boys club, but at least he was successful. Like, I mean, they've got, let I me mean, look at who, I mean, what does, I mean, what does Rob Polenka bring to the table? A chair, mostly. Okay, so he's your general, so he's your general manager. Then you've got team advisor who's Kurt Rambis. Okay, I don't know what Kurt, I mean, Kurt Rambis was a half-decent basketball player. I don't know what he brings. He advises the team of what would be my, like, it's one of those, it's one of those organizations. It's one of those organizations that we've got a coach, a general manager, an owner, and then we've got six more guys who are somehow, you know, the director or, of this thing or the assistant associate, this guy. And it's like, okay, what exactly do they do? And what power do they have? And who do, who do they, you know, who, who is responsible to who and who finally decides things in that organization? Because I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, Monty Williams and Ty Lue both turned down the Lakers' job. Well, they're supposed, uh, to, so they're they're supposed to interview Vogel, ex-Magic uh, coach, hey, Vogel. Tomorrow, whose record Vogel's a very, is, yeah, is decent, but that's about it. Vogel's a better coach than what he gets credit for. Uh, he had a few down years in Indiana, and he had a rough year with the Magic. But I think they gave up a little too quick on Vogel. I like Frank Vogel. So, honestly, other than – I like Vogel, but it may be better than Lou. I definitely like him better than Lou. Williams, with, I don't know. No, me neither. My problem with Vogel would be, is, isn't he a defensive style coach? Yeah. And that's not – okay, well, that's not going to fly in LA. Probably not. But, again – you just need a guy there at this point if they can land a big free agent. Um, here, well, here was uh, another piece of the story. Dave McMinnis. I know a guy they could have for probably the league minimum. I mean, there's no league minimum for managers, but I know a guy they could probably have. Who's that? I mean, they'll have to buy out that that big money uh, DHL contract, but uh, Tom Robinson would probably. Go there. <laughs> I'm sure he would. <laughs> I think he would. I think for the right money, Tom would be willing to move to sunny L.A. He could sabotage the team from the inside. Apparently, Ty Lue and his representatives turned down the Lakers' offer this past Tuesday. Uh, the Lakers regrouped with an offer. They offered three years, $1,800 million. Uh, and Tyrone Lue's side pulled out of the negotiations. Apparently, they wanted five years with salary um, – it says their salary commiserate and a championship resume. So apparently they wanted more money too. So apparently they're, yeah, you know, on on they're not agreeing on what to, who's doing what. They're not agreeing on assistance. I mean, so I, I this think is he a, was this probably is. he was probably a little bit myth that the, they wanted. To, there was a clause in there that said that the press was around, allowed to refer to him as Mrs. Lou. <laughs> God. Uh, oh, no, no, not even, not even Mrs. Lou. Mrs. James is what it probably should have been. Ooh, ooh. Well, on that <laughs> well, note, think about it. Okay, well, on that note, I'm going to segue to something. I want you, and I want your, okay, and I want your honest opinion on this one because this one has got me right. a little bit, a little bit baffled, and not in the way you might think. Our beloved, okay, our beloved commissioner came out today and 
made the declaration mm-hmm. that from now on, at least half the referees that are hired got to be women. Yeah, I saw that Silver wanted more female well, referees. He wants, he wants half of all new referees joining the league to be women, and he would like to see teams hire coaches to that same percentage. Now, I have no problem with women coaches or women referees. Let's get that off out of the way right off the top. What I do have a problem with is hiring people who aren't qualified. And when you go down that percentage road, that's what you're going to get. They should hire the best referees, whoever they are, white, black, Asian, four foot eight, six foot four. Don't care. If they're good at their jobs, that's who you hire. That to me is a no brainer. Uh, The coach thing. That's always been a tough one for me because I'm sure there are plenty of women No, I'm not sure. I know there are plenty of women who are more than smart enough to be NBA basketball coaches. The problem comes in the dynamic of the male-female thing, where you and I both know there are some men who could take a woman yelling at them and calling them lazy and wouldn't bother you in the context of a work setting. We also know there are some that are never going to stand for that. And how that works. They won't take it from another man, let alone from a female. Uh, Thoughts on that? Well, I'll say there are are female referees in the NBA. And from what, and there have been, and there has been some controversy around them. uh, Due to the, I've heard some players make some off-color statements. Um, I'm trying to remember. I would. I would who argue. The player I, was. I agree with you there. I would throw out there though. Is it any? I think that's part of the problem. It should be if uh, you got a female referee and she makes a, a bad call and the guy mutters "bitch" under his his uh, beard, and she hears him. Well, tuck him up and let's move on. Any more than if he calls a male guy a bastard. The trouble is, is that's going to become an event when that happens. And I don't know that you need well, I mean, that. I, I'm not sure how you get around it is what I'm getting at. Because well, there's I mean, be even a, if it is. Know men are, no men are stupid, Tunic. So we know it's going to happen. Oh, absolutely. It's just a matter absolutely. of when. And, <laughs> and, and I have seen some uh, some players have mouthed off. And I've heard some people say, you know, she needs to go. And it, it was made into a whole big hubbub and a lot of people have a lot to say about a lot of stuff, and that's not something I'm going to get issue. Look, I'm going to say if you hire somebody. That's my point is that the NBA doesn't want and doesn't need to have to deal with those issues because they're not about basketball. True. I I mean, I get where where Adam Silver's coming from, and I get – that hey we you know we want to hire women that's great I mean that's fantastic and there are some great women referees there's some women coaches that I think uh, I know one in San Antonio does a great job um, there, there's more than a few that's in the NBA if I'm not... there's three of each apparently there's three female referees and there's uh, Becky Hammond in San Antonio. Yeah, Becky uh, Hammond's but, one of the big ones in yeah, San Antonio. Christy Tolliver uh, is an assistant coach for the Wizards. And uh, Kelly, I'm not Sue sure Bird. how to say that. 
Kelly Koskop, I'm not sure how you say that, is a uh, assistant general manager of the Pacers. Well, I mean, and there and there's some good stuff there, and these women are highly qualified. Uh, Lindsey Harding is uh, my problem with it, Nate. I don't care about the women thing at all. I would just say that I would think uh, the NBA and NBA franchises are beholden to pick whoever is the best suited for the job and be damned about what sex they are. I don't see that that enters into it at all. Zero. If a woman is qualified and can do the job, then she should be doing it. And you'd be a fool if you ran a business and you passed up a female who could do the job. That that's that's bad business. Yeah, but again, I think here the main issue here and I agree with you, if you can do the job you should be hired to do it. Doesn't matter who you are, race, gender, creed, color, religious preference, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. You should be hired if you're good at the job and you fit the description and you should do the job. Here's what Adam Silver did, in my opinion, Tim. This is just my my assumption here. The NBA has done a great job in the public eye of coming out and being very fan-friendly, very open to change, willing to look at a problem and fix it. They dump millions and millions of dollars into a women's league that does nothing but lose money. Yeah, exactly. To try and, to and they're looking they're, to try to keep their fan base happy. That's why they do exactly. It. If you look at the NFL, the NFL is the exact opposite of that. Um, Roger Goodell, that guy, people could not warm up to Roger Goodell if they were cremated with him. Um, oh, Mr. Cornett, yeah. He's very unlikable, but he's a businessman. He's very unlikable. Nobody seems to like him, and it almost seems like people go out of their way to hate the guy. Adam Silver wants to be fan-friendly. He wants to keep fans happy. I think, and, and you come out and you say this. You come out and you make this statement, and this is not a controversial statement to me. This is not no, a, you know, no, this is like, to me, this is like walking outside and going, you know what, man, you know what the world needs more of? Rainbows and sunshine. It would have been a controversial statement if you'd have said the league needs more gay referees. Well, I mean, even then. What no, but that, would be, that would be controversial in the sense because we don't know if there are any gay referees now. There probably are. We just don't, we just don't know it. And again, you're looking at Adam Silver. And this is Adam Silver basically saying, yeah, we need more women referees. Now, Adam Silver's not going to hire a woman referee, or the league's not going to hire a woman referee if she doesn't know what she's doing. That's clear. Let, let's say, let's be clear on that. This One is Adam like Silver saying. This is Adam Silver saying this basically to keep fans happy, keep himself and the NBA looking good in the media, and this is uh, it, it's just a, a story that's out there. We're not even going to remember it next week. Because it was just like, hey, we need more women. I have to be honest that I'm not even sure. I'm sure there are a few, but I'm not even sure that there's that many women that aspire to that job anyway. I mean, there may be. I mean, I know a lot of women love basketball. And and that's the great thing about basketball, Tim. That's the great thing about basketball is that women, men, everybody, it's all playing the same. Softball is all different. I got to tell you, if, if, if the white men 
had a rec league. We had a, we're in a rec league. Well, this is only a beer league. And Rachel, Rachel Miller was our coach. I'm paying attention. <laughs> Good Lord. Oh, I God. Any, any, any female. I mean, not, it's true, though. I'd be paying attention. Women, to me, when they, bought, when they do say something, are much less inclined to spout off nonsense just to hear themselves talk, generally speaking. Usually when they say something, it's, you probably should be paying attention because nine times out of ten, they're probably right. I can feel the men coming down in the hate on me right now, but it's true. So, I mean, their minds, I mean, and they and they think differently, so they might offer a different perspective than what a male guy would offer because they do look at things differently than we do. That's just a fact. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, maybe, maybe no, we'll pretty, see it. Maybe I'm we pretty won't. Sure, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that Rachel Miller's uh, way of dealing with James Harden would just be to go right out there and punch him right in the face. There, don't land, don't land on my feet again when you come down from that illegal three pointer you just took. Or I'll take well, that I guess back. That is shit. slap a little West Virginia. That is a tough. possibility. That is a possibility. <laughs> I'm going to guess it's not far off from that. Uh, West Virginia women know how to look after themselves, Nate. Very true. But we do want to thank you guys for listening in as we went a little over here tonight but we're we're 10 minutes over oh 10 minutes you should have thought about that when you booked 742 minutes worth of interviews (laughs) 10 minutes i want my time damn it (laughs) you will get your time my friend back into that studio and make another show and we're going to talk for another hour because i'm not done yet (laughs) good lord Oh, man. We want to thank you guys for listening in to Wide Men Can't Jump. Episode 78 is we are on the road to the conference finals. Milwaukee's already punched their ticket. Where El Loco and Tim boycott Wide Men Can't Jump. (laughs) El Loco. It's El Toro. Get it right. Well, I'll be El Loco. He'll be El Toro. (laughs) Canadian-Mexican connection. We want to thank you guys again for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, and anywhere you find podcasts and over at WideMenCanJump.com. Big thanks to our sponsors, the law offices of Stephen P. New, NewLawOffice.com, and CamBay.com. Thank our guests, Robert Land, Bart Winkler, for jumping on with us, and we've got more to talk about next week. Conference finals will be rolling next week. Tim? We promise to be on time next week. Yeah, we will be on time next week, best to our abilities. Uh, Again, we we apologize. We had no technical difficulties this week, at least. Yes, yes, yes. We we got in just fine. Everything worked perfectly. So thank goodness for that. And uh, we welcome our new sponsors. We'll have more on them next week. And we hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, And let us know how we're doing, how we did. Let us know if uh, you agree with some of the things we talked about tonight. Do you think there needs to be more female officials? Do you think Ty Lue makes a mistake passing on the Lakers job? And with game sevens right around the corner, who is going to the NBA finals? All that. And we'll talk about it next week. Tim and I will be back and uh, we may, uh, we may have a little something going on Sunday. We'll see what, uh, what the weekend entails. We might get on here and talk a little Sunday about God on the A special Wide men can't jump. Mother's Day edition. Absolutely. So, 
thank you guys again for tuning in. And I'm going to send it over to my Canadian compadre, Tim. Take care of us, buddy. Send it home. I have a letter here from my client, El Toro Robinson. (laughs) I will now read the following for my client. It is week 72 of my incarceration in a Mexican holding cell. However, things looked up greatly this week when I discovered the burrito. (laughs) However, they did only look up for about four or five hours when I truly discovered the burrito. (laughs) Next week, we're having enchiladas and something called a quesa, a quasa, something with a dealer. I don't know what the hell it is, but I look forward to it. My friends tell me if I eat enough of these, I'll be able to get a job and work at home. Not unlike my father, who is a wide man, Tom Robinson. Maybe you've heard of him. Lord knows I haven't heard from him. <clears throat> In summation, I'd like to say that I don't understand why the great people of Mexico want to leave here. The food is amazing. Taco salads, burritos for breakfast. I don't know how to say that because I'm only 12, but they're good. Taco Bell's got nothing on Mama Cito's corner bodega. (laughs) This place rocks. It's even better than maple syrup and poutine. Screw you guys. I'm never coming back. All hail El Toro, king of the burritos. That is all. Peace out. I ain't even gotta say it, that's just something they know. Thanks for listening to the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com and at widemencantjump.com. Be sure to check out our blogs over at widemencantjump.com and also be sure to check out all the other shows that we put out. You can find us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Also, at WideBeanCanJump.com. Visit our store and buy some new t-shirts that are available now in all sizes. This show is brought to you by the Law Offices of Stephen P. New at NewLawOffice.com and by Cambay.com. Be sure to visit Cambay.com and use promo code WideBean to get 20 free credits on your purchase. Thanks for listening again, and we'll see you next time for the next episode on the Wide Man Radio Network.